This podcast is produced by Clarence Valley Community Church. If you benefit from our ministry and you would like to support us, details can be found at our website, cvcc.com.au. There you can also find out more details about our church. Our text today will be Luke chapter 14, verse 15 to 24. Um, Over the next couple of weeks, I want to I start moving us into what the kingdom is like here on earth and into what is it like living the kingdom life, if that makes sense. It's, it's, Jesus does both. He sort of allows us to gaze at what the kingdom looks like. And we've got to be honest, no one was quite expecting or prepared for what that was their hearts were so far from god that when god's only begotten son comes here and begins to describe for us what the kingdom of god will be like and what he will be like people are just thrown off completely and that's why last week we did um, a sermon or i did a sermon on the odd herald this john the baptist who wasn't quite what people were expecting even the religious leaders they didn't want to admit that he was a prophet of God, but they were scared of the people, and so they sort of kept their mouth shut on the issue. But also, Jesus being quite the unexpected king. But when I say odd herald, John the Baptist, unexpected king, Jesus, what I'm not saying is that he is unexpected, or that John the Baptist was odd, but what I'm saying is, it's actually we who are inconsistent. It is our priorities that are muddled. It is our passions that are ungodly that uh, doesn't allow us to see clearly what's in front of us. And this was happening at Jesus' day. You know, it was funny. The children got it. The, 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 the people who are, who are wounded and, and sick and blind and lame, they got it. When Jesus heals 10 lepers, one of them got it. You know what I mean? But so many at his time did not understand the coming of the season that the Lord is here and he's making a way for the kingdom of God. Can you imagine that? Hear those words. God has made a way that you enter his kingdom. I don't care. You go into the, to, down to Sydney City and you can be invited to the most exclusive party with the most important people, and it fails in comparison to what we are going to enter in glory as those gates swing wide open and we are in the arms of our loving Father for all eternity. That's what's on the line. That's what needs to be understood. And as I said, Jesus is... And, and, Because of these sermons that I've been doing, we've been talking around the kingdom. Then last week we talked about the unexpected herald and that that Jesus and the Father have always had this plan from Genesis 3 right up until this day to bring a people to himself. But now we're going to go a little bit deeper and get a little bit more accurate with the picture of the kingdom of God. One way I might describe it is If any of you here were a teenager at some point, you may have disregarded the loving wisdom of your parent. You know, I used to say things like, you don't understand. I used to actually look down on my parents at certain times in my life, thinking that I knew better. And I'm a nobody nothing. I've I've spent about three seconds in the world, and here I am thinking I'm the professional, and I don't need you anymore. And and in some cases, a natural progression, but... But God warns us of this. We're going to honor our mother and father. 
But I want to be honest with you, because of my deaf ears and the pride that existed in my heart, I had caused wounds for myself during that season of being a teenager that only Jesus could have ever healed. And he has healed. And this is a picture we get with with the Father, with the Son, who has come to lovingly warn us, lovingly protect us, and tell us the, the reality of things. And we don't want to be like the people I'm about to describe, who harden their hearts, stiffen their necks, blind their eyes, and deafen their ears, and they cannot see what is there in front of them, which is life and life eternal. So let us read today, Luke chapter 14, verse 15 to 24. When one of those at the table with Jesus heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, He sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, key word there, they'd been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five oak of oxen and and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the cripple, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of these who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. The wonderful thing about the Gospel of Luke is we've sort of jumped halfway into a bigger narrative that's taking place right now at this banquet that Jesus is at. And so I want to just backtrack a little bit and give you the reason for this parable and then it'll it'll illuminate it for us today. Jesus is at it again. He's invited to a Pharisee's house and he wants to throw the whole religious system that was there of the day upside down and on its head because he says to the to the to the people at this at this banquet, he says, is it right for me to heal on the Sabbath day? Is it right to heal on the Sabbath day? Now, by this stage, the Pharisees have become a little bit smarter. They know to just keep their mouth shut because every time they open their mouth, they're getting themselves into more trouble. So they stay quiet. And then a man who is suffering with severe swelling, Jesus just reaches out, heals the man right in front of them. And it's sort of funny. It's almost like he's asking them, well, is it okay to heal on the Sabbath? And then he reaches out his hand and says, this is what God thinks. And he gets healed. It's an incredible picture, an incredible picture. Then he asks another question. Well, if an ox falls into a well, wouldn't you immediately pull it out even if it was on the Sabbath? Again, these Pharisees are very smart. They keep silent. They're not going to challenge Jesus at this stage. He's already, he's already done it too many times where he slipped them up 
and enraged them. So Jesus isn't done there. You think Jesus has had enough of a crack at everybody here at the party. And then so, he, so, he, so Jesus starts to look around. And he wants to really attack a heart problem that was existent in these, in these people's lives. And it was this. It was that everyone... You imagine going to a, to a, to a party. And, and we see this in our own lives. We've done this before. You're vying for the top position. I want to speak with the most popular person. I want to get the best seat, maybe next to the birthday boy or girl. And these people, like a, like a pompous rabble, are running for these seats. They want to be at the head of the table. They want to be most recognized because what does pride love? We've all suffered this. What does pride love? It loves prestige. It wants to be noticed. We have a desire to be important. And Jesus, like I said, he wasn't happy to just have a go at them on the the hardness of heart on Sabbath and God's loving kindness to people. But now he's like, I'm going to come straight in to the heart of the issue and I'm seeing it right before me and I'm calling it out. And Jesus says this, you know what's better than trying to take the best seat in a party? Take the lowest possible seat you can so that when the man or the host of the party comes along, he's like, Ben, what are you doing down here, mate? Get up, come up to the top of the table. I can't believe you'd actually take the lowest place. What is Jesus teaching us here? Humility. Like, it's not about us being showy in front of others, but it's about us taking a humble disposition for the sake of God. It's what he's put on our heart. We don't, we don't need the accolade of men and women of this age. Whose opinion do, should we most care about? God's. And so Jesus attacks the issue. Now, he doesn't get a rise out of them. And at this point, I'd be quite, I'd be quite embarrassed. I'd be like, I don't think I could say any more. I've tried everything I can with these people. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He then turns to the host of this party. Imagine you. You've been invited to a party. I was invited to a party yesterday. Imagine me having a go at the host. They're here today. I've got to be careful. But, you know, imagine imagine me having a go at the host. And, and, And so Jesus just says this. He says, when you put on a dinner, when you put on a lunch, don't bless your friends. Because you bless your friends, they're just going to be able to pay you back. Like you've gained nothing, you know what I mean? Like, like you go out, you serve them, put on a good spread, and then you're going to get in an invite the next few months at the next party or whatever it is. And you sort of neutralize, neutralize any, any form of blessing. But he says this. I, I need you to maybe listen carefully here. It's going it's to play in. It's going to play in. He goes, but when you give a banquet, and remember, he's talking to the host. Like you can't get much more like, cringe-worthy than this. He's having a go at the host. He says, when, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And I hope you hear what he's just said there. Like, if there's any time in your life when you want to get repaid, when you want something from God, it is at the resurrection of the righteous. He's saying this is a kingdom issue here. This is you either in or out. And he's saying that to the host. Now, this is the point where I'd I'd crawl under a rock. I'm done. Like, I've tried to have a go at these people. I've tried to get a rise. I've tried to really... And not a rise just for the sake of causing conflict. He's actually speaking into their heart. 
Like if they don't get what's going on here, where's their eternity? You know what I mean? Like Jesus is thinking bigger picture, bigger picture. And so there's someone else at the party who feels the same way I do, like ready to like curl up into a ball and start shaking. All right, it's this guy in verse 15 who announces to Jesus, like, and, and we, we've, all, we've all been there, you know, when someone really like makes something awkward in a group and you're like, uh, I've got to say something to like break this tension. And so this guy just comes out and says, uh, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. That's a great way to like cut the conversation. Jesus, just enjoy the party. Stop what you're doing. All of us are like curling up right now. And Jesus sort of metaphorically looks at him and goes, oh, blessed in the kingdom and the feast. I'm not done. And he keeps going. And this is where we come into the text that I'm preaching on today. It's an incredible picture of how bold Jesus was. So he talks about a certain man who's put on a feast. He's already put the invites out. And now the servant's just running around, like telling the people, okay, it's on today. Get yourself ready. Come into the, come into the feast. So in this, in this, para, in this parable... Who's, who's the one who's put on the great spread, the big feast that everybody's coming to? Well, Jesus is speaking about his father. He's speaking about the kingdom of heaven. Everything's ready. Come in, come in, come in. Who's the servant? Some argue it's been since the first prophets, since the word of God began, the, the invitation to come to God. Others argue it's, it's speaking directly about Jesus, who is now here in Israel, telling everybody, come in, come in, come in. I, I prefer the sun. I think it's Jesus. And the great banquet, as I've said, is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Those invited will not take the invitation. The servant comes along and they've got a reel of excuses for why they're not coming. What is it? I've just bought field, uh, a field. I've got to go and check it out. I've just bought five oxen. I've got to go and check it out. Well, I've just been married. And this is the rudest one of all. He's like, I can't come. He doesn't say please. He doesn't give any like, like niceness or accolade there. He's just like, oh, I can't come. And you know what I thought with the guy that's just gotten married and now he can't come to this incredible banquet that's been put on? I'm like, man, you must have planned some honeymoon. Like you, you're throwing up. You're throwing up this incredible banquet and Jesus is using this imagery to, to depict the kingdom of God and the coming age. And this person is just so set in their situation that they're like, no, no, I'm married. I've I got no time for this. I'm like, man, you, you must have done a good job. Like those, those flats must have been cheap, something like that. And so like we would understand everyone that's been invited is not coming. And the master is obviously angry at that. Like, and, and we've got to understand how invitations work. Like I said, it's gone out a few months ago. These people knew. Israel knew they should have been ready for Jesus' coming. Even John the Baptist was sent to make sure that they were ready for Jesus' coming. Instead of being ready, they're making up excuses not to come. They're fighting Jesus and challenging Jesus at every step of his ministry. And very, very soon, they're going to scream the words, crucify him. Israel's going to do that. Not only are they not ready, their disposition and their heart is on the complete opposite direction to anything godly. So what is, what is the response 
of the master when these people who are invited don't want to come. You know, Jesus mirrors the words he's just said to the Pharisee about when you hold a party, who are you to invite? And so in Jesus' own parable, he starts to, he uses that and he says, guess what God wants then? If you don't want to come, guess who God's going to invite? The servant is told to get back out onto that street and I want you to invite the poor, the cripple, the blind, the lame. Can we see how this is a completely confusing picture of what people would expect God to be like? They're thinking God wants the, the most intelligent, the most good looking, the, the, the most... Uh, holy of holies and Jesus is telling us a picture of God getting out there and saying no 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 I want the broken I want the lost I want the messy in this banquet what an incredible picture of a great God we have totally throws the system upside down and I want to remind you one thing as well what did Jesus say to the Pharisee the host about these types of people that he told them he should have invited in instead of just all his friends. He said, invite them in because they can't repay you. God wants people who can't repay him. This is what we call grace. The offer of God to each one of us today is a free gift. He's not saying to the poor, and this would be pretty savage and quite hard to say, but imagine someone poor tries to come in to enjoy our banquet at the end of this service, and I say, got yourself 50 bucks to join our group? You know what I mean? Like, you, you know they're poor. You look at what they're wearing. You may know their background. Like, how sinister would that be? You know, but this is how the world thinks. But what God wants is God wants broken, messy, cripples, poor, lame, blind, who can do nothing to pay God back, but what? Accept the invitation. Could, we, could God have made heaven any easier? Like, anything you think you can do to enter this place, forget about it. What I want from you is to accept the invitation. I want to get into that a little bit later on. Then we see that there's still room in this banquet. And so he says, go out, some translations say, go out to the hedges, the highways, the byways. And what's outside of a town? And what's, what, where, what, what do you generally see when you find crossroads, when you're going out into the countryside? You find a whole bunch of foreigners doing trade. So Jesus is now saying, and this is what these people weren't ready for, not only do I want the broken and the lost, but what I want is I want foreigners to come into this feast because you've rejected me. I'm going to take anybody who accepts the invitation, no matter what they've done, no matter their background, no matter where they come from, I want you, if you take the hand of my servant and he leads you into the banquet. Praise God. And then he gives, Jesus gives the, the most chilling words in this, in this section. And he says, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. We thought Jesus was hard enough on these people. And now he's just said, none of you, none of you will enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because they will not come. They do not see what's in front of them. That servant that's going out and telling everybody to come to the banquet, 
Yeah, that's Jesus. While they're all vying for the top positions to be seated at, while they're all inviting their friends over and enjoying the prestige of life, they're not seeing that Jesus is there with his arms open. He's ready to receive them and have call his people home. Jesus even says, like a, like a chicken would gather her brood under her wings, so, so God wants to gather Israel, but yet they were unwilling. Now, it sort of stops there, and then it moves on to another part of Jesus' ministry. But I want to tell you, I've got a very strong feeling that after this was said about these people, everybody probably just fell silent. I don't know if someone said something so embarrassing to you at a, at a dinner or something like that, and you just put your head down, and you just eat quietly and can't wait to get out. I think that's what Jesus did to everybody in this room. But I bet you there were also some in this room, like you, who were like, no, I want to go to that banquet. I want to be in the kingdom of God. They got it. And we've also got to remember, for, for you who struggle in this room, that Jesus himself did suffer as we suffered. The anxiety and pressure and pride that could have risen up in him to stop him from speaking. Just be done with them, Father. Father, they're not worth your time. Instead of that, he endured the shame of their scorning looks, of the countless conversations that were about to happen about him, and partly to blame for his crucifixion as well. He ticked them off so much, but he endured that. You've got to understand, for their sake, he did that because this was the only hope they had of being saved. If he wasn't going to warn them, who else would? And so he endured that for them. And I know some of you here sometimes struggle maybe with social anxiety, maybe fear or judgment and that, that judgment that can come from people speaking about you behind your back because you're a Christian. But you've got to understand Jesus went ahead of us. And though he suffered in these ways, he endured. He endured for the sake of these people and for the sake of us having this here in his word today. So if I could put it in a picture, you could imagine men out in a desert and there's pearls, gold and diamonds everywhere. Now instead of going and getting water, what do they do? Don't worry about water, there's treasure everywhere. And they're filling their knapsacks, they're filling their pockets. Even the little pockets that sort of hide in there, like everything is being packed with gold, silver, precious gems, pearls. But what's eventually going to happen is they're going to walk until they fall over. And there's no more time. They're parched. See, what Jesus had on offer right here in front of these people that is an offer for you today is Jesus says, come and drink. I have living water. You will never thirst again if you drink from the water I give you. That's for you today. If you come to Jesus, he will give you that water. Yet so often we can be so consumed with the world. What were the examples he gave? gave I've brought a field. Oh, I've got five yoke of oxen. I've just been married. I don't have time for you, Jesus. I don't have time for you, God, because my life is really important. And so you're there in the desert collecting for yourself all of these precious stones. And God's hands are wide open, ready to save you, ready to offer you the living water. And yet your mind is stuck stuck in this world 
don't surrender eternity for the fleeting passion of this life. I want to remind you as well, because some of you may be thinking, well, Dan, maybe my interest isn't in this world like you're saying, but then God probably won't accept me. Like, you don't know what I've done. There's a lot of issues in my heart. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of hurt. And isn't that exactly what Jesus has described when he says, I want to take the lowest? Like, could you imagine the amount of disdain that these people had, especially when he's talking to the host and he says to the host, Bring in the lame, bring in the blind, bring in the poor. You know, these people are thinking to themselves, these are men of high esteem. They're thinking, I won't touch these people, let alone talk to these people because my reputation suffers. And yet our God, he says, that's who I want. That's who I want in my kingdom. Come, drink, come, eat and be filled. We have no excuse. Like I said, you can't say, well, I'm not interested in this world, but God possibly wouldn't take me. Guess what? He was ready to take you from the beginning. But for whatever reason, Satan's put a lie on your heart or your conscience has just been so belittled and so beaten that you can't see what's in front of you. And that is the loving arms of a loving father. And then there might be one more group of people in this room and you've dug a hole for yourself and you think that if you keep digging, you're going to get yourself out. And we all know how that ends. You just, you just keep going further and further and further. I sometimes do this with my wife. Keep digging. I'll use that example. What I need to do is I need to stop. I need to turn and I need to repent to my wife. I need to go, I have blown it. I am not a perfect husband. You were right. Ooh, I heard. Oh, I yeah, can't believe it. Natalie, lucky this is being recorded. Right, you were right. Isn't that incredible that God, who is so holy, so pure, so perfect, will take the st- same stance with us that my wife does with me so often? I forgive you. And so if you're at the bottom of a, of a hole... And you've been trying to get out yourself. Jesus says, no, it needs to be me that gets you out. I died for you. I died for your sin. And so instead of digging, you throw the shovel down, you look up to the heavens and you scream out, help, Lord, I need you now. You promise that if I call upon your name, your son will get me out of here. And what's the beautiful news of the gospel? Why do we call the gospel good news? Because God keeps his word, and when he makes a promise that he's going to get you out of that sin, out of your situation, it's not going to be you. Remember, a blind person can't find their way to the banquet. A crippled person, back in these days, probably can't crawl the five miles or whatever it is to get to the banquet. And the person who's out on the highway far off doesn't know the way. But if you take the hand of Jesus today... He will lead you straight into his father's kingdom. So simple. So simple. Even a child can pick this up. And so now we know how to enter the kingdom. Next week, I want to be talking to us about how we can right now live in the reality of the kingdom. This is so important. It's not enough. Like as as wonderful as it is to receive a present and receive Jesus and have all your sins forgiven, what's better than just getting that present? Tearing it open, pulling the box apart, and enjoying 
the gift that God's given you. And that's what I want to move on to speak about for us today. And if you've missed some sermons or whatever it is, we got it on Spotify. You can listen for free. But until next week, let me finish with Ephesians 6, verse 18 to 20. This is our, this is our doxology. I pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much that, Lord, it actually takes the heart of a child just to receive the free gift that you have on offer. Lord, if there is anyone in this room who is still looking for the gold of this world that never satisfies, Father, I pray that today would be the day that they take hold of Jesus and begin to drink upon the living water that wells up into eternal life. That, Lord, it is a simple faith, the faith of a mustard seed. Though it be the tiniest seed, it will grow. And that is the faith that saves, Lord. We need to start somewhere, and it takes that first step in our relationship with your son, Jesus. So, God, may you speak to our hearts. But, Father, I also pray that if there be any here who may be in the faith for a long time, who is struggling with pride, who is struggling with the same struggles that these Pharisees were, God, that their minds were not set on the things to come and set upon the kingdom, but it was set here on earth, that, Lord, we would no longer be self-deluded, but that we would soften our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit and that we would walk in newness of life, Lord, never again to go back to the, to the works of the flesh. We thank you for this time, God. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.